Hi, my name is Blue, and I'm the host of this new podcast, The 21st Century Teacher, with Livid Earth. And my job is to ensure that our teachers and students get the most out of our programs. This new podcast series is just one of the ways I'm going to be supporting our community of educators with a monthly conversation with a special guest educator discussing a different aspect of 21st century teaching and learning. A reminder that if you're a teacher in British Columbia, thank you to Focused Education Resources, you now have access to our hybrid learning library. If you would like more information about our blended learning programs, please visit our website, liveit.earth. Today I'm talking with David Russell Lowen, who is the Director of Education at Livit Earth. David recently returned from the Kaleidoscope Inquiry Conference in Vancouver. I was excited to have David on the show to reflect on the conference and share some insights while also reflecting on this season's podcast. David is a certified teacher, curriculum designer, and learning technology expert. With over a decade of experience in blended learning, David brings his passion for experiential and inquiry-based learning, creative problem-solving, and educational innovation to the Livet team. So I would like to start today by doing a land acknowledgement. Um, and we are recording here in the Kootenays. I'm in the Slocan Valley. And I just want to acknowledge the traditional peoples that came before us. And raising kids as I am in the Slocan Valley, I'm very conscious um, of how I'm just very grateful for the fact that we get to live, work and play in this incredible area surrounded by natural beauty. And I'm very conscious to raise my boys, I have three boys, uh, in a way that they appreciate their surroundings, but not just that, but also that they understand something of the history and the culture of the peoples that walk before us. So this is the unceded territory of the Sinaik, the Silk, and the Tanaha. It's also home to many from the Métis Nation. And as well, there are many people from many other indigenous groups that live in this area as well. Uh, David, welcome to the show, and thank you for making time to join us today to share some insights over the last school year as our Director of Education at Livet. Hi, Blue. Thank you for inviting me. It's um, an honor to be in included in this podcast, uh, which has, which I was, you know, fan number one. And um, I'm very excited about sharing with you some of the thoughts and insights that I've had um, through listening to your podcast and through the work we've been doing at Live at Earth through the year. Yeah, and I'd just like to, yeah, acknowledge as well your support and collaboration on this podcast and yeah how excited we have been i think as a collective at livet for just to have such great just fantastic educators joining us on the show to share their insights from different parts of british columbia and also down in the states as well um, and this is a great chance for us to do a bit of a roundup um, and with that too and i'd like to start with this uh sort of question for you dave is you went to maybe you can tell us a little bit about the kaleidoscope inquiry conference that you went to um you can probably tell me this the official name of that uh conference so what were some of the key takeaways from the kaleidoscope conference that you just went to yeah okay so i am still kind of buzzing with the excitement 
that was generated out of this conference. It was a very high quality conference. Um, it happened in the Lower Mainland and it was, it had international appeal. There was a lot of teachers and educators and leaders that were from BC, um, from independent schools as well as public. But there was also contingents from across Canada, United States, and even as far away as South Africa that were uh, coming there to learn and share what they know and what they do and learn from others. It happened over a weekend and the, the conference was packed. It was sold out completely and every single person there was just um, really excited to um, be involved in the workshops and um, the the way that the workshops were set up, they had really good quality speakers and you submitted your list ahead of time, who you'd like to kind of ranking in the time slots you'd like to see. So everyone kind of had a different matrix of the workshops that they got to, um, to attend, but there was also time to network in between and share what you learned. So it was really valuable. And another little piece about this kaleidoscope of inquiry conference that I really like is they're also offering follow-up sessions on Zoom with these workshop presenters because like a lot of us, uh, there's learning that happens after the fact. So this is a week past now and I'm getting really excited to meet with some of them again on Zoom and we're submitting follow-up questions that we would like to discuss with them. So there's just an added level of value there for, for learning that extends far beyond that one moment. And what was some of the, if you can give us a couple of snapshots, like what are some of the short and sweet takeaways that you got from that conference in, in terms of like the, the arcing themes? There's some personal takeaways and then there's some professional takeaways in terms of its um, relationship to live at earth. Uh, I'll start, I guess, with the, the personal side of things, which, um, so just some context, uh, when we designed the programs for Live at Earth, we did consciously decide that um, right from the beginning, we wanted uh, an inquiry-based framework to be the foundation for the learning, which would make it flexible and, and allow it to become personalized learning um, if the teachers were going to facilitate that as well. What I realized about the inquiry approach, I guess I knew this but it's been a while since i really dove into the realm the full universe of inquiry because it is very much a holistic approach if you're as an educator if you are aware of what's possible so there's definitely the cognitive approach the art of asking questions that are open-ended and facilitating time to and read and to finding resources to help kind of uh, nurture that or spark deeper learning. But there's also like a heart-centered approach, which sometimes um, coming from a high school background, I sometimes forget about this whole heart-centered approach, which is so powerful. It's so often used in early child childhood, but it's actually even more powerful with adolescents because so often, um, students come to school with a very kind of closed protective shell. And so you're not really open to 
critical thinking and creative thinking and expressing yourself or collaborating with others if you're feeling um, you know in danger or closed from each other so there are methods of inquiry that get to deeper learning but um, sometimes it's not a direct route to the final goal the learning goal sometimes there's other methodologies that you can em employ to get your learners uh, to a place where they're ready to learn. That's in a nutshell what the kaleidoscope of inquiry was. And I have, I have to say, I guess the reason why I'm talk talking to you right now is a result of season two, episode one, when you had an interview with Trevor McKenzie, who is a BC-based teacher and has written some books about inquiry mindset. His podcast with you kind of reignited my interest in learning more. And you connected me with Trevor and we had some conversations and it turned into an invitation on his behalf for us to visit the Kaleidoscope of Inquiry and participate in that conference. I love how you circled back to the first episode of season two. Good plug there. If uh, you have missed that particular episode, it is a really great one around inquiry learning. Um, and actually, I'm wondering, based on your experience at this conference and the conversations happening from people across the world, but also you know people from various districts within BC, is inquiry-based learning an approach that's being widely adopted right now at the elementary level, particularly because that's our focus at Livet is why my interest is there? Um, or is this something that's been niche and now it's growing and the interest is really broadening with the work of people like Trevor McKenzie and all the others that are involved in, you know, in a conference like this? Um, yeah, did you get, what's your sense with that? Yeah. Okay. The most profound um, observation that I can make is that every teacher that attended this conference loved their job. Nobody was overwhelmed. They were all happily spending their weekend to do learn more about inquiry. And they were all excited to um, take on more professional development and more resources. And it was just really inspiring to see how that mindset shift changes their whole perspective on, you know, what's possible and what they don't need to worry about versus what they are, what they can do. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of excitement. So the, I guess the flip side of that is I don't actually believe that it is a majority of educators that have um, made that transformation. And probably, I'm just going to go on, on a hunch here, but I think for teachers who are sitting on the fence between those two worlds, that's probably the most overwhelming because you see, uh, you get a glimpse over the fence of what's possible and you want that, but you're also not letting go of anything. And that's when you're really overwhelmed. I think it's a, yeah, that's a, that's a great answer, actually. I really like that. Sitting on the fence. Yeah, it's taking the first couple of steps, isn't it? And just being brave enough almost and i've heard this from other guests as well just trying something new 
you know, not being afraid to sort of dive into the unknown a little bit. Um, Cause it's incredible. Yeah. The reward that you can get from that. Taking those. I think there's steps. some questions you can, there's some questions you can ask yourself as an educator that um, sometimes you might not even really know uh, where you're at, but in terms of that mindset shift, because like these presenters are internationally renowned and they are, you know, even looked to from as from the leadership within BC. Um, but, you know, Trevor McKenzie, he's advocating for 90% of your assessment time, even as a high school teacher, is just through informal observation and peer-to-peer -peer conversation that's informing the learner about where they're at and what they can communicate about what they now know. So your time should not be at home writing comments on papers or grading things. Um, there should be just more process conversation happening and awareness of, you know, if you're using rubrics, where this student is at at the rubric at that moment. And what is their actual goal to get to? And what steps do they need to take to get there? And that can all be happening in the context of your classroom time. So you're not actually um, being burdened with all of these other things you have to plan for or spend time marking, which is historically the bane of, of teaching in high school, especially in the humanities, is the amount of time you're spending giving comments and then you grade it and then you kind of realize you're demoralized because your students aren't actually reading your feedback and they don't seem to be learning from it. So this is flipping everything, the practice on its head of kind of where you're spending your time and energy and teachers are finding their students are getting more out of it so they're getting more out of it and it's just uplifting. Yeah, it's great feedback. So building on that from the conversations you had at the conference and just your awareness, you know, within, you know, your network of educators in BC, how are teacher practices changing? In the context of our podcast title, the 21st century teacher, right? Uh, this transformation pro process, I think can happen can happen very quickly or it can happen very slowly, depending on the school culture or the, the individual teacher. But I do think that there is one uh, disruptive element, just like the pandemic was disruptive. Um, the developments in artificial intelligence are actually going to really push the envelope for teachers to drop their focus on final products and really get to know their learners about what they can do, what they can demonstrate. Um, or even, for example, um, as we've all heard about ChatGPT being able to write college level essays and even give bibliographies and all that kind of stuff. So there's no need to have students submitting uh, papers and marking them. You know, so that there's a big shift there. And so it's really um, also going to require students to demonstrate personalized learning rather than rote learning. 
There's there's no need to master rote learning. Um, we can get all of the information from the internet, and we can even get ChatGPT to customize it in certain ways, but you can never really make it personalized to yourself, right? So if you can demonstrate how that learning has been meaningful to you personally, which is one of the core competencies of why you go to school, right? It's communication, creative and critical thinking, and your personal and social awareness of yourself in relationship to your learning. I'm not sure I answered the question there, but um, so teacher practices, okay, that's the disruption, disruptive element of how you're going to need to change what you're looking for to assess learning, right? Um, those competencies that I mentioned are built into, when we're talking about the BC context, they're built into the curriculum as the foundation of something that we want our own learners to understand about themselves throughout the year, the progression and growth, not just over one year, but actually year to year, all the way from kindergarten to grade 12. So it's interesting. We talked in season one about the core competencies and how we're going to be talking about that to families as educators. And really, when you think about what it, what K-12 education is for, it's not for um, validating that they have acquired information. It's for seeing that they have grown up. They have become a human that will be able to do a multitude of different things. They'll be ready for the world at large in the world that they grow into, not the world that we uh, understood 20 years ago. There's a lot of different metaphors that could be employed, um, but a facilitator is a great description of the 21st century teacher uh, versus a gatekeeper of knowledge of a subject area. Like that is the old way that needs to um, be removed from our, our consciousness as what teachers do. Um, if you think of a coach that you might have had that was a good coach, a supportive coach in your development in any area, the coach is another good metaphor for um, a 21st century teacher in that if you think about it, um, a coach might have been good at their craft uh, in their prime, but now they may not have all of the skills and knowledge, but they, they have some wisdom to impart and they have respect, some mutual respect for learners they're working with. And so they may not know how to do something themselves, but they can help guide each learner to get there if it's their goal to do so. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and no, I think that's a really good point. And so that's going to bring me to Live It Earth and our platform and all the resources that we have and the way that it's been built. And so, so let's bring that in because, you know, the podcast is here to support teachers and learn some really interesting, you know, tidbits from educators in different areas. So bringing Livid into that and, you know, if we reflect a little bit on the podcast episodes this year too, some really interesting points have come up, I think, around where learning is at and how the platform can be useful. So why is Livid Earth relevant right now and what role can Livid Earth play? 
given that where education is at and this move to more inquiry-based learning and the interest around that as well? So first of all, for context, uh, Live at Earth is being kind of billed as a K-7 to learning resource, but I would actually say, like, let's think bigger than that because it's, we know, Blue, you and I from experience, it's a lifelong learning resource. It's bringing the opportunity for teachers to be playful with their learner with their students and the and the learning that that can happen. Um, it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting of all of the pre-planning that would go into something to kind of present a kind of a provocation to learners to ignite a spark of inquiry. Along along with a, a kind of a wide range of different challenges that are presented that work with the universal design for learning framework, which you interviewed uh, Katie Novak at length in our last episode describing that we use a universal design for learning in every resource that we build so that no matter the ability of the learner, no matter what grade they're in, um, if they operate in English or French, they will be able to um, interact with and <clears throat> so again the multimodal either text visuals sound um, all of those are available for the student so again if they're not at a reading level they can still listen with text to speech and in the challenges, we always start with something simple. And then the challenges just build layers of possibilities that if the learner is up for that challenge, if they're engaged with that learning, they will take it far beyond where we even imagine. So Livit offers some self-assessment tools. And I'm wondering, what is the thinking behind these tools? Why have we put that into the programs? Why have we chosen the particular tools? Is there any thoughts you could share on that? Uh, what we have currently on our Live at Earth platform for self-assessment is kind of a um, proof of concept. So if you're listening today, I urge you to try out, go to the self-assessment option at the bottom of the, every program. And there's a number of options. They're pretty simple because as self-assessment tools for K-7, to they need to be accessible for those kids and understandable. And what we've provided is a list of I can statements. So this is like, it's not really enough to just be exposed to information, right? A competency-based curriculum actually is going to, the end goal is to show that learners can do things. And so to be aware of what you can do or want to do, that that's the inquiry piece, right? Self-assessment, it's like what I can do and personal inquiry 
what would be meaningful me meaningful for me to be able to do next and that's kind of i mean that's also super valuable anecdotal information that helps the teacher get to know their student that much better circling back to podcast series it's also going to be very valuable documentation because the learning conversations with families is supposed to be about this kind of thing. So just building on your comment there about core competencies, can you talk about core competencies um, and how Libit Earth actually has proved to be a great teaching resource um, around that? I'm really excited about teaching in British Columbia with the core competencies being the foundation and the framework for learning K-12. Now, Live at Earth provides opportunity at all levels for allowing for engagement in all of the core competencies. We, we actually are thinking about them when we're developing resources about how they can communicate and use critical thinking and how does it become personalized. So there is opportunity in every resource to de demonstrate these competencies and allowing teachers to have a breath, be able to um, have a sense of joy as they actually observe their learners demonstrating these competencies. If they use the self-assessment tools, they even have documentation of it, which they can report on at a future date. So moving on from that, how are teachers learning to embrace this new way of teaching? Again, given that you've just been to the conference, there's a lot of conversations coming from different districts uh, around BC and around the world also. Um, yeah, what did you get around that? I'll have to just um, give a shout out to a presenter at the conference named Alice Junklaus. She's a VP in the Vancouver School Board at a French immersion school. And she did a workshop on personal inquiry that was really a deep dive into why you want to teach. Like, and no matter where you are at in your profession, when you actually think about what you want, why you want it to be, it's it's not to test people and, and confirm that they are good at something and others are less good at it. It's all of, it's all of these kind of more altruistic things, but like there, there is the potential to live into that why through inquiry as an approach to everything in your life. And that's not just with facilitating student learning, it's your own lifelong learning. And it's also your relationships with your colleagues, which if you, if that rubs off with your colleagues and you kind of have a reciprocal approach, it will just build you up and give you more capacity to, um, to kind of spread that joy of learning. And um, another Valuable lesson. This is my last one. Um, 
with presenter Misty Patterson and Calder Chevery. They provide, they facilitated this heart-centered approach to inquiry. And it didn't really matter what the topic was going to be about because the real powerful thing that you could imagine for any teacher who um, struggles with behavior management and it's like really a burden to just kind of wrangle these students. Um, it was a very centering activity, very reflective. It was very personalized. And yes, it sort of was kind of a lesson in art, but it wasn't like the embedded piece was everyone can express them how they're feeling with these objects, make a sculpture kind of thing. And after some time, there's an ability to share what it represents to your table. And what that does is creates this, uh, facilitates vulnerability between peers. And it was extremely powerful. Um, this was just done as a case, like a lesson for a bunch of educators. So that could be done in a staff meeting. If there's anyone who's experienced a staff meeting where it's all bristly and everyone's agitated and nobody wants to receive any instruction from their principal, um, I thought it was, a very, it was a very powerful method that could be applied in many different contexts. Um, again, like I said at the top, how powerful it could be for adolescents to see each other and share themselves and then be ready to learn about something constructively. So yeah, that's just my whole journey for the last week. I urge you to check out Trevor McKenzie, Misty Patterson, and Alice Junklos. And Kath Murdoch also was at this uh, conference and she's kind of the guru of inquiry. And there's, I think everybody has a book they can go and look for, um, but I would also look for podcasts. We'll probably have some of them on podcasts in season three. Looking forward to it, Blue. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, yeah, have some reflection time around the conference. And yeah, we actually, yeah, we did. We looped in some of the episodes as well from this season's podcast. Um, yeah, super excited for the next season of podcasts, which will become all the episodes, which will be coming out uh, starting in September. And on that note as well, I think it would be useful. We will share some of those the links to some of those presenters that you've just been talking about as well. Um, maybe we should share the link for the Kaleidoscope conference as well, uh, if anybody's curious to look into that. Um, so, yeah, so thank you so much. And um, I'm looking forward to, yeah, to more great conversations with more fantastic podcast guests. And it sounds like we'll have some from the conference as well, some of the people that you've just mentioned. Um, so, yeah, so stay tuned for more. And in the meantime, David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Yeah, it's great, Blue. And I have to say, this is a great format for me to share my learning. Um, if you'd asked me to write a paper on it, I would have probably submitted it in about six months from now. So very timely way to get my feedback. Yeah. <laughs> Keep up the I great can, work. I can relate to that as well. So yeah, no, thank you so much.
Thanks for joining us on The 21st Century Teacher, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Please do subscribe so you don't miss out on the next show. And also, don't forget to check out our fantastic online learning platform, which is liveit.earth. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.